Hello, I'm Karen Pascal. I'm the executive director of the Henry Nouwen Society. Welcome to a new episode of Henry Nouwen, Now and Then. Our goal at the Henry Nouwen Society is to extend the rich spiritual legacy of Henry Nouwen to audiences around the world. Each week, we endeavor to bring you an interview with someone who's been deeply influenced by the writings of Henry, or perhaps even a recording of Henry Nouwen himself. We invite you to share the daily meditations and these podcasts with your friends and family. Through them, we can continue to introduce new audiences to the writings and teachings of Henry Nouwen, and we can remind each listener that they are a beloved child of God. Now let me take a moment to introduce today's guest. Today on this podcast, I have the pleasure of interviewing singer-songwriter Brian Dirksen. Brian has made an enormous contribution to contemporary Christian music with well-known songs like Refiner's Fire, Come, Now is the Time to Worship, Faithful One, Today, and so many more. Brian, I know there are hundreds of thousands of your albums sold worldwide at this point. Every week, your songs are sung globally in churches and Christian gatherings all over the world. How did this creative journey begin in your life? Well, delight to be with you today, Karen. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm talking to you actually at uh, the home that I was raised in. Okay, so uh, I was four years old when we moved into this little old farmhouse. And um, I'm literally sitting um, maybe feet away from where... I started having my first profound kind of spiritual God encounters. I would lie on the hillside, um, you know, right over here and uh, in the summer, watch the clouds go by, watch the stars come out at night. And I started hearing whispers, whispers of love um, from the Creator. And that's that was really, I think, the the start of it for me because... The religion that I encountered as a boy in the institutional church um, didn't seem to me focused on love, seemed focused on belief, having the right belief. We were right. Most everybody else was wrong. <laughs> and um, and I, I, I just, I was starting to drift away, you know, drift away from well, maybe Christianity isn't the answer, but then I would be alone in nature and I would hear the whispers of love. And uh, that's how really how the journey began. And that's, I think, for me, been the thread through all of the songs that I've tried to write and how I've tried to live is that thread of unconditional love. Wow. That moves me deeply, more deeply than you can imagine, because from my own faith journey... I kind of completely walked away. I, I was uh, raised in a Christian home, walked away, sealed the door, never going back. And that's the word I have sometimes described, whispers. I, at a certain point as I began to go, is this all, is this all there is to life? I remember seeing beautiful scenes and feeling like there was this whisper of, I made that. Mm. And it was like the first moment that I could open up at all to a God being out there. So I, I hear you on that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, did you, uh, it, how did songs get into this uh, equation of, of uh, a faith journey? Well, I think um, what's interesting is, so just a moment, if you go forward, maybe a few years later, after these first whispers started to make themselves known to me, 
I started getting involved in music and I had been spiritually awakened. And the, the music that I found around me uh, in the church, in institutional religion, felt like it was, um, it was boisterous, it was loud, it was all about God's greatness and power. And I felt like I don't fit here. Like, I, I'm not that interested in shouting and being loud. I actually want to whisper because it's interesting because it was a whisper that first awakened my heart and it's almost like I wanted to whisper back. And at that point, I remember feeling really, where do I fit? Where do I fit? And I felt, I felt a whisper from God said, I want you to lead worship with a whisper and I want you to sing over the suffering. Don't focus on the triumphant. Don't focus on everybody who's all shiny and, you know, like try and sing over the hidden ones, the ones who are, who don't feel like they belong, who, who don't connect with the loud and the proud and the kind of, you know, and, uh, and, and, but this, I was wrestling with this because you know, as Christian music was growing and and things were happening around the world, there was a lot of energy in some of these settings. And there's a lot of momentum towards the, the, the more extroverted, aggressive, um, triumphalistic expressions. And I kept on feeling this deep connection to the whisper, both how I was inspired and then how I was to respond. And so often I feel like even throughout my my 30 plus year journey of doing this, of kind of like outside the camp, that expression, because the the the, the big hits and the big everything are, are much more often about certainty and greatness and power. And I've always been drawn to the more gentle, quiet, tender expressions because that's how I connected with God in the first place. I loved at some point as I was reading a bit about you, how you talked about in a sense the beginning of writing your own songs was the secret songs. Maybe tell us just a little bit about that. I think we're very close to that in terms of what yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, so here, so here's how actually the, 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 the story is actually pretty simple, but for me is still very profound. Okay, we, Joyce and I were married young, we were 23 when we had our first uh, baby daughter, and um, it was just around the time I was starting to get involved in ministry and music at my church. And and one day I had this profound experience with you know Rachel was three four months old. She was she was uh, propped up on a pillow on the on the floor, and she raised her arms towards me like Daddy, pick me up and hold me. Of course, without words. And as I pick her up and as I hold her and I'm just slowly turning around, I'm just overwhelmed with love, with affection, with I'll do anything for this human being to support them, to protect them, to empower them. And all of a sudden I'm weeping, I'm weeping because I realize that this love that I have for my my baby daughter and this intimate, intimate, safe Loving exchange is what I'd always longed to have with my heavenly father. But my earthly father, a very good German Mennonite man, 
good faithful man was taught that showing emotion and tenderness is weakness and so i didn't have that kind of exchange with my earthly father and so i thought well i'd like to have it with god my 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 heavenly father and in that moment this little thought this little whisper came to me why don't you sing this experience and i went i'm not a songwriter like i i i i can play basics of music but i'm not a songwriter i'm not that guy you know and the whisper keeps <laughs> keeps insisting why don't you sing this and then it's almost like god singing saying to me why don't you sing this back to me and so i wow. i pick up my guitar and i i start singing this really simple father i want you to hold me i want to rest in your arms today and i start singing this simple song expressing this moment okay so what happens is i finish the song and it's my secret song for months and months when i'm alone when i'm going for a walk most of all when i'm walking holding my baby daughter i'm singing the song and i'm communing with my daughter and i'm communing with my heavenly father at the same time and then what happens and why we're literally having this conversation today is because what happens next okay let's say six nine months later i'm in a home group a home bible study for our church and there's an evening we talk uh we were looking at i think john 14 the father heart of god the father wound in culture and the, the the evening ends and i'm not the music guy in the group right at all i'm just sitting there i'm just a participant and the leader looks over at me and he gets an impression he says brian i have an impression that you have a song that you should sing right now and it would minister to us and i'm like i don't know if you've ever watched the muppet show but uh <laughs> but uh beaker you know is like shy you know you know like and i'm kind of like inside i'm like beaker you know no you know like um but i know that of course i have this secret song that's all about the theme that what we've just been talking about so eventually he coaxes it out of me and i sing it and people just start weeping and resonating and connecting okay so that's 15 people go you know amazing i've never had this experience before (laughs) but what happens a year later after that is why we're literally having this conversation because a year later I'm at a conference. Now there's 5,000 people in attendance. I'm the bass guitar player in the band, the worship team for this conference. And they do a session on the father wound in culture. And the guy who was leading the Bible study, Andy Park is his name, who wrote In the Secret and many other wonderful songs, is the worship leader for this conference and they end the father session and say andy would you come on up we're going to start praying for people about their father wound come up and just you know sing while we pray for people and andy looks over at me and points me to the stage and says you go sing that father song and i'm like beaker inside you know <laughs> <laughs> and i have to walk up onto the stage in front of five thousand people i'm the kid you know i'm like I'm like 24 years old. I, I'm the bass player. And the leaders are all looking at me like, what is this guy walking on the stage for? They're looking back at Andy like, why is he up here? You get up here. And, and Andy's like giving them a thumbs up. No, it's okay. You'll, you'll like it. And I sing the song. 
Father, I want you to hold me. People start weeping all over the auditorium, and uh, John Wimber, head of the Vineyard Movement, is there, comes up to me after the session, and as he approaches me, I know, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, I hope I'm not in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And he looks at me and he says, my father was an alcoholic. He left when I was four. I've been waiting for a song like that that really sums up what I need to say to my father in heaven. Could we publish that song? And I'm like, what's publish? You know, I have no idea. (laughs) And then he asks me, he says, do you have any other songs? And I say, well, I actually, I just finished one other one. It's called Faithful One. He goes, he didn't even hear it. We'll publish that one too. Oh my, oh my goodness. So that's how, it, that's, that's how the journey started for me, really. Wow. I, I, I love the fact that you didn't see it coming, but, but you also heard those whispers. It seems to me like you've had a lifetime of whispers mm. where God's telling you, I'm here, I'm here, I'm in this, I'm in this moment. I, it's very moving. It's very moving. Um, I, I've mentioned to you that you have sung me through many life adventures, through ups and downs. Some of the songs have ministered so much to me. As I was reading a bit about your story, um, I realized that there was a lot of overlap. I mean, you, you talk about being buried and reborn in London, but what touched my heart very much was true creative force. You had a vision, you went after it, you ended up losing your house over it. Mm-hmm. And I went, been there, done that. I understand what that is to be that creative. And you go, I think I've heard from God. This is what I'm supposed to do. And then, oh my goodness, the bottom drops out. Tell us a little bit about that because this hasn't been just straight uphill and to the right all the way along. Well, yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because that in a sense is a continuation of this trying to sing into this father theme, this this deep longing we all have for that parental unconditional love that we were I think meant to experience and don't ever fully experience from humans um so you fast forward a few years you know I my first batch of songs just kind of goes out into the the world and church refiners fire faithful one I lift my eyes up and they just kind of get taken up by the church at large and unexpectedly all of a sudden oh this is what I'm doing and about four or five years into that I hear another whispered invitation not just to write a song about the father heart but to write a whole musical and story about the father wound and about you know God's heart of unconditional love for all of his daughters and sons and so we 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 dive into this the project becomes called it's called father's house Uh, we record an album the album becomes a a a bestseller even before the stage show launches the stage show launches we sell out all of our first batch of performances locally here at the community theater and a fellow shows up and he basically says man you've got something really special here but if you really want to impact the world, you have to basically take this professional. Like you have to like, you know, really go for it. And so we, we start this dialogue. We end up partnering with some new people and we take the musical professional. We, we invest over a million dollars. People stand with us, whatever. And 
we we start prepping for this is now let's see now um we are now coming into the end of 1996 and um we decide to launch the musical pre-Christmas in Vancouver and then take it on a North American tour. By this point, we have 70 people on the payroll, okay? So oh this goodness. vision has <laughs> gone from just me and a few creative people to 70 actors, managers, stagehands, set designers, like the whole thing. Oh. And we are burning through cash, but I'm not a business guy. And so I tell my business partner, look, you know, we start feeling like we're on the edge, we're on the edge. And I say, okay, well, when it's time, if we, if, if this was a risk that didn't make it, <laughs> pull the plug. And anyway, we get, we get to that point and he says, I think it's time to pull the plug, I think. And what I didn't realize is that we had gone and, and hundreds of thousands of dollars past the brink, so to speak. Meanwhile, I, I sell my house and put all of the equity into it to try and keep it afloat and it's not a, it's it's the last ditch to try and keep the 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 business of this musical running it's not enough it collapses we lose it all and at this point we have five young children and you know what's so interesting is that the whispered invitation to do this was just as clear as other whispered invitations like the first song that led to success right that led to uh yeah. and there's absolutely no difference between the two you see and sometimes i think we equate these whispers with you know they're going to result in x or y but that's not what the whisper means, right? The whisper is simply the invitation to take the step, to, to journey, to risk, to... And there's no guarantees in this life, you know? Um, that's profound. And I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of people who believe that you can't have faith, you can't be a Christian, because to have faith and be a Christian means you're accepting this kind of pseudo-truth that there's guarantees for everything, Right? And I go, boy, you, you haven't been, <laughs> you haven't walked the spiritual <laughs> journey very long if that's what you actually think this is about. And, but, but, but for all of us, we have to walk that ourselves. We have to experience the losses and the successes and all of everything in between ourselves till we fully understand. We get the real deep, aha, <laughs> this is how it works. Yeah, that underneath are the everlasting oh, arms. Yeah. Underneath there is something that endures. There is peace that endures. But that I was very touched by that because I think it, it, it even helps me to hear you say that the whispers were the same. That's right. You're risking and you're walking out in a way on water and suddenly the waves are getting very high. And in your case, they overwhelmed you. But I, I love the fact that that's part of your journey. Um I really did. I love the honesty of that. Uh, in the midst of that, you're in London. You've lost your house. You've moved. You're, you're basically teaching people how to lead worship. And on the streets of London, you get another mm. whisper. Tell us a little bit about, because I found that fantastic when I heard this. Well, you know, you're describing the season where the musical collapse we have nothing we're homeless we have five young children we're offered a job in london england to train songwriters and worship leaders of which i've got experience in both but a little bit of a challenge is that i'm 
in some ways, I'm really wrestling with my faith in God right now. Like some parts of me feel like I'm barely holding on, right? Like it's, it's, it's a, a major shaking is going on in my life. But this is the door that opens, and I had an impression as the musical was collapsing, we were going to end up in England, and so there we were. And um, yeah, one one morning, a couple of months in. I'm walking the streets of London. Often what I would do first thing in the morning before I had to, you know, get all the kids out the door to their various programs and schools and, and, and head over to work. I would I would go for a walk, I would try and clear my head, I would exercise, I would ever and I'm walking the streets of London and all of a sudden, you know, I for the first thing that happens this time wasn't so much a whisper but but energy like uh, electrical current crackling. All I can describe is that I was like enveloped in this energy, almost like, and it was just moving with me. And then all of a sudden I heard it. It, it, it out of that emerges, come, now is the time to worship. And I'm like looking up and, you know, looking up, looking around me now. I, I've I've off I've started to even wonder if you actually exist now, you know, and come now is we you know which is I say one of the reasons why I wrote the lines come just as you are into that song is because I was a broken mess I was I was I was very fragile we had found out that our son had fragile x syndrome and would require care for the rest of his life we the musical had collapsed we had lost all of our financial resource our and i there at that time when the musical collapsed there were some fairly negative uh articles about me in media and um yeah i was i, <laughs> I was at a pretty low point <laughs> And this song, and this song comes along, and it's like a, it's like a seed uh, that's going to lead to like a type of rebirth for me, a a a a a new season, a truly a new season began, and and it sparked a whole bunch of other things, but that was the genesis right there on the streets of London. Some of you might not be familiar with that song, but it is a wonderful, wonderful song. And I promise you that in our show notes, you're going to get links to all the things we talk about today because you're going to want to be familiar with Brian's music if you're not already. It's the kind of music that lifts your heart and takes you through tough times, but also takes you into the presence of God to worship. That one song, Come, Now is the Time to Worship, is... I think it was a breaking point for me. It was really quite a wonderful uh, uh, pronouncement mm. uh, of the greatness of God. Now, tell us, would you tell us a little bit about your children? Um, you and I share something in common. I, I have two grandchildren who have uh, developmental and intellectual disabilities. Mm. Tell me a bit about your sons, because I, obviously you have a total of six children. Tell us about the girls and the boys. Yeah, okay. So we have four daughters and two sons Rachel our oldest and I already told you the story about her as a baby and that's kind of started my journey into songwriting and then Esther our second um, and she is now 31 years old Rachel's 32 and um, 
Esther is, is pursuing her master's in theological studies and pastoral work. Rachel is a preschool teacher, uh, very much walking in the footsteps of my mom, Agnes Unger Dirksen, who was a kindergarten teacher. Uh, and then we had our, our son, Benjamin, and Benjamin is 29 and um, has fragile X syndrome and has had an excruciatingly difficult pandemic season because he has some speech, but it's limited and he lives for outings. And it was all taken away for most of the first year, and he did not understand why, which caused quite a bit of of issues with him and other people that helped care for him. Um, And then uh, we have twin girls, Mercy and Joy, who just turned 26. And um, one of them, Joy, is is now just finished her bachelor's degree and is a first-time youth pastor in a little church. Uh, up in Fort St. John, B.C., and Mercy, her twin, is uh, works in the clothing department at uh, a large grocery store in town and has some fragile X challenges but of her own, but is quite an amazing, overcoming person. And Isaiah, our youngest, is uh, 21 years old, he has three words, me, no, and mama. And uh, oh. I say he gets everything <laughs> he needs with those three words. Oh. <laughs> and um, he's, he's our giver and receiver of affectionate love. He starts every day oh. by, by seeking people out and giving them bear hugs, you know, to squeezes you till you beg for mercy. And... Uh, you know, Joyce is, is away right now, returning later today, and I know what's going to happen when she walks in the door. Isaiah's going to find her, he's going to hug her, then he's going to guide her to me and make and ensure he will supervise that we do <laughs> enough hugging to acknowledge uh-huh. that we are back together again, and then we will do a group hug, and then he will run off and play. So... <laughs> So, you know, there, wow. there, there, there are some very, very intense challenges with, as you know, um, with, with serving and helping those with intellectual disabilities and, and conditions like Fragile X Syndrome. And there are immense gifts, immense, like yeah. it changes the whole rhythm of your life. It changes the perspective of your life. It, 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 it changes your inner world because you recognize how much of our culture is driven towards perf- external performance. And when you're in a situation where you can't do that, your inner world has to start adjusting or you're going to go crazy. <laughs> well, it's interesting that in a sense... You, it's one of those things you don't count on happening in your life, but when it does, it does change you, and it's it's profound. I have the greatest respect for my son, Jesse, and, and my daughter-in-law, Muriel, and the incredible, loving, powerful way they take care of Zachary and Jacob because they have special needs and they are demanding needs, but they also, one of the things that you Uh, mentioned and is a great truth is that the joys of what does get accomplished in life 
the smallest of things brings so much joy. Now, how did all of this and how did you connect to Henry now and how has he been an influence in your life? Uh, I, I thought it might have been through the, uh, the, the Father's House Project because that was about the return of the prodigal son. But tell me a little bit about how Henry has been an influence to you. Wow, I'm so glad you asked because um, I think Henry was the first author, you know, Christian communicator that um, zeroed right in for me on this, the, the, the heart of love, the heart of um, tender acceptance, not just for others, but for our own wounded inner selves. Um, you know, like he, and I'm, and I'm here in my office and I, I've got, you know, multiple, multiple now in books that have been treasures to me. The Inner Voice of Love, you know, The Way of the Heart in the Name of Jesus. Uh, the Return of the Prodigal Son, which of course became one of the most important books in my life because my music was was aiming towards this really the heart of this story in Luke 15 right and how could it be that God could be like like the father in that story um, and so when I would go out and I would I would be invited to teach, let's say, a, a worship workshop or even a songwriting workshop, which I've done o over the previous decades. Almost always I would find myself, you know, quoting now and at some point, you know. Mm -hmm. um, he, he just had this way of, of, of stripping away all of this pretense, this performance, um, and and inviting us to come home, to come home to love, to to to, and and and, and here's the inter other interesting thing. What happened was, of course, he started his journey in more of these kind of intellectual ivory towers, and and he's a very very smart man. And he ends up, of course, spending all of these time, this time with people with in, adults with intellectual disabilities. And of course, I'm in a situation where it's not what we signed up for, but all of a sudden we have sons with intellectual disabilities. And I found in Henry a, a role model, somebody who... I, I, I knew I could just go, I could pick up something he was he had written and it would feed my spirit. It would, um, and it would just strip away all of the noise of this hyper-performance-based culture in which we live and bring me back to the heart of the matter. Um, so yeah, I, I, have, I have deep, deep affection for him. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, it's it, even as you have described earlier on about the whispers, it's like the two of you hmm. uh, hear the same whispers. I, hmm. I sense that, you know, the whispers of the gentleness of heart, of, of the core of God's love for us. And that comes through in your music. I'm so excited about interviewing you today because I'm excited about introducing our audience. 
I think most of them will know your music. But if they don't, oh my goodness, it's like giving a good gift to be able to say, I want you to meet this person and meet him through your music. They're in for such a treat. Mm. Now, I can imagine the pandemic had quite an impact on you because I know it did on all sorts of performers. But out of it came an album, Everlasting Arms, which you co-wrote with Cindy Rethmeyer. And um, you wrote in your notes, my part is labeled non-essential, yet songs can play a vital part in our emotional and spiritual health. Help us it helps us hold on to hope in times of trouble. I'd love to hear a little bit about this album and, in a sense, how it became transformed by the pandemic and what does it have to offer to us? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was, it was, uh, the funny thing was 2019 was a really full year for me. I had, I had recorded and released my first Christmas album, The Heart of Christmas. I had put together kind of like a um, a legacy album called Faithful One where we recorded new versions of some of my most known earlier songs. So I spent a lot of 2019 in the recording studio and on the road. And at the end of 2019, I said to myself, it's going to be a long time until I go back <laughs> into the studio. <laughs> you know... And of course, I had no idea what was just around the corner. And then, and then you know, and then COVID arrives and everything shuts down. And about a month in, I think, okay, exactly what you described. We, as musicians, all of our concerts are canceled, everything. But we, what we do is not um, non-essential. Because what we do is we go to people right where they're at. Maybe they're all alone. Maybe they're isolated. And and if they have access to some way, you know, of, of listening to music, they can put on a pair of headphones and we can be right there with them. Or we can be with them in their car as they're driving to a an appointment, a medical appointment that's causing them stress. We can we can sing over them peace. And so um, and I have a good friend, uh, Cindy, in the just outside of Los Angeles, and we've been friends for 30 years and doing music together, and we started having these conversations about, you know, what we were all experiencing. And um, so we co-wrote a song called In the Middle, Your Peace, which is the opening track on the Everlasting Arms EP. And... Um, you know, it was just our, our simple expression of what we were experiencing. And, um, you know, the, the, the pressure, the confusion. Um, and, and, of course, in our conversations with people, too. Like, like they were encountering this, one of the phrases we use in the song, in the middle of this loss, uninvited suffering your peace. Um, this sense that the whole world is going through something uninvited, but yeah. it's here nonetheless. So how, how are we going to walk it out? How are we going to make it through this? Um, and so we just, we just, you know, it's like, it's, I, and I re- go back to my original calling, lead worship with a whisper, sing over the suffering. And, um, you know, it's that in our little refrain in the song, we say, I may be feeling crushed and confused, but I'm trusting you're here with me. 
um, in the middle of this heartbreaking news, you are here, you'll never leave. And that, that is the, I think, um, it's the core of my faith and it's almost all that's left, you know, after all of the, the ups and downs and all of the challenges of life and the, the complications of being a parent of special needs sons and, and all of that, you know, there, there is a lot of heartbreaking news. There's a lot of confusion. I just have to trust that God is with us in it and that he'll never leave us. I love um, that you write, we don't know when the storm is going to break, Ah, but underneath all things are the everlasting arms. That is a profound, deep truth to give. you, You called it you, you said you were writing modern spirituals, which mm. I thought was also so beautiful, mm. with a lyrical aim to, to be truthful. And I think that's something that I love about your music, but I love about you too, is the authenticity in all of it. There isn't anything kind of um, glossed over in this. Um, something that brought us together, by the way, out of the blue, but it isn't really out of the blue, was um, at the beginning of June... We heard news here in Canada, the announcement that uh, 215 bodies of children had been identified next to a residential school. And this began, actually I say it began, but that's really not truthful. We have known through the uh, Truth and Reconciliation um, documentation that we were going to find thousands, thousands, literally, that over the years, the hundred years or more of of the... uh, of these residential schools. There was mistreatment, there was disease, there was so many things that happened as children were taken from their families. What kind of connected us again was I heard a song that you were creating that was a lament. Can you tell me a little Mm. bit about this and how that's going? Mm, I'd love to. And on the theme of whispers, um, so the report came out in late May and on the 3rd of June, at about 5 a.m., uh, my wife was away with our daughter for a Fragile X specialist appointment in Edmonton. I was alone. Other, well, Of course, I was caring for our other son. But it was 5 a.m., and I was woken with the number 215. But this time, and I had been, I had been a wreck ever since the news came out because of the complicity between the Christian church and the government in this issue. And I just didn't know what to do, what to say. And I was in agony over it, honestly. And I was woken that morning, and this time the number was there, but now it was a melody. It was 215. And then again, 215. And I went, oh boy. I have my songwriting assignment, you know. I need to sing this number over whoever will hear because these precious children were stripped of their names and given numbers when they entered these schools. This, this, so I almost like, but a melody helps put something that can be abstract into our memory, right? When you sing it. And so I, mm. I, um, I'm good friends with and huge respect for one of my heroes in Canada, Steve Bell in Winnipeg. 
and Steve has worked extensively with indigenous people and in difficult situations. And I had a demo of the song and I sent it to him. And he was like, oh my, this is so important. You know, like, and, um, and then he, he agreed to sing it with me. So, uh, and then I, I partnered with an indigenous artist, Cheryl Bear. And I, every single, I went through several drafts of the song and I would bounce it off of her and then she would give me input and she would suggest a word. Well, maybe instead of that word, this is more accurate. And so, yeah, I took a couple of weeks writing it that way. And now we have just completed the audio recording about a dozen artists from, from, you know, different parts of Canada Christian artists are singing the song together and we've done a uh, there's a demo of it on my YouTube channel now but we've done a proper recording and that is is coming out maybe by the time people hear this our conversation maybe it'll already be out um, Steve Bell sings it with me Carolyn Aaron sings it with me Marika Seward sings it with me a number of of artists and friends and we sing it now as a group confession you know um yeah that that this has happened it shouldn't have happened and we're owning that it happened all the names you've named are dear friends to the henry now society steve bell carolyn aarons Mm. cheryl bear um i need to interject one thing and that is our audience is more american probably than canadian so for some of you you'll be going oh, this just happened in Canada. The reality is this is a truth that has no border on it. Absolutely. And you will be facing this as well. Uh, and in fact, if you're in Australia, if you're in New Zealand, if you're there's various parts of the world where our actions towards Indigenous people in the process of colonization is tragic. It's part of a tragic history. Mm. I feel for myself growing up here in Canada, the responsibility to say, how can I be part of, of of doing better than I have done? I feel responsible for that. I'm so glad you've written the song. I do hope people will follow up and go to our website and take an opportunity to listen to this. It's very, very important. Um, it starts with truth. We have to be truthful. Mm-hmm. We have to be authentic about what's happened. And then we have to be part of 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 lamenting, weeping, and being part of the change that must be, that must happen. Yes, amen to that. It's been a privilege for me to chat with you, by the way. I'm just, I, I, I'm so thrilled that we had this time together and excited about what you have to share. I'm just going to throw in one last little tidbit, a delicious tidbit, because I happened to listen to it last night. You did a special album and a video about hymns. It's not very long. It's I think it's five or six. I'm not sure, but I really enjoyed it, and I enjoyed through it meeting your father. Do you want to say just a little bit about that hymn album? Because I, mm-hmm. I, I think it's something that maybe people will enjoy having a look at, and there's so many good favorites in it. Mm. So after I completed the Everlasting Arms EP album, right in the thick of the beginning of the pandemic... I was reflecting, okay, well, what what do I do next? How do I pivot? How do I serve? I can't go out on tour. I can't do those things. And I had this just impression, 
what what maybe what we need a lot of right now isn't a whole bunch of new songs maybe we need some old maybe we need to rediscover some old songs of comfort and love and peace and um and my dad you know is 85 and still singing strong but having some health struggles and i'm thinking this may be my last opportunity to do a project with him so we did a project, a full album called Hymns for Life. My dad sings on a number of these songs with me. He helped me choose some of the songs. But then we, we you know, re-envisioned them and rearranged them in kind of my style. So we add, and I added a few new refrains to some of the hymns. And, um, you know, we released it um, now in, in 21. And then recently we filmed a special hymns for life live at the shining rose which is the creative space here at, at my place and my dad came over and my good friend philip uh producer of the full album which has a whole like orchestra and band and stuff but we the special is a simpler it's just him on an acoustic grand piano my dad and me in conversation and a few guest singers and we just sing our way and talk our way through some of the hymns and the stories behind the hymns and my hope and prayer is that, you know, as people continue to go through challenging times, that they um, draw the comfort that's there in some of these beautiful, tender songs of faith um, from previous generations. And that by singing the song of previous generations, we are acknowledging that we're not alone, right? That we are... We're on this mm-hmm. faith journey together, multiple mm-hmm. generations, multiple different circumstances. Um, you know, when we sing a song like Be Still My Soul, you know, the Lord is on your side. Like those words brought comfort to people for generations and they can bring comfort to us as well. It's interesting because when it comes to the often the moment of celebrating uh, memorializing someone's life, we go to those hymns, and and you're right, it's their history that connects us to this long history of of people that have gone before us and will go after us. I'm particularly pleased that in this year, this is the 25th anniversary since Henry Nowen died, mm. and Henry grasped that our lives might be more of a gift in our death than in our life. I thought that was an amazing mm. kind of. Um, understanding and uh, our lives are fruitful those hymns continue to bear fruit your music will continue to bear fruit I'm so glad to talk with you at this point because I think in so many ways I want to point our audience to uh, the the things you've written Brian because I know that they will comfort and they will encourage and they will uh, in a sense refocus them uh, on, a, on a God who has everlasting arms underneath them and will not let them go. Thank you so much for being with me today. Really a privilege to talk with you. Thank, thank you. Yes, thank you so much, Karen, for having me. And uh, love and peace to all who are listening. Thank you, Brian. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. What an honor for me to spend time with Brian Dirksen. For decades, Brian has been singing songs that lift our spirits and call us to worship the living God. 
For more resources related to today's podcast, click on the links on the podcast page of our website. You'll find links to anything, including songs mentioned in our talk today with Brian Dirksen. And as well, you'll find book suggestions from Henry Nowen's writings. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, we would be so grateful if you would take time to give us a good review or a thumbs up or pass it on to your friends and companions on your faith journey. Thanks for listening. Until next time.